Chapter Nineteen of La Barre by Jory Karl Heismans, translated by Keen Wallace. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. In a fiacre, they went up the Rue de Vaugirard. Madame Chantelouve was in a shell and spoke not a word. Durtal looked closely at her when, as they passed a street lamp, a shaft of light played over her veil a moment, then winked out. She seemed agitated and nervous beneath her reserve. He took her hand she did not withdraw it he could feel the chill of it through her glove and her blonde hair to-night seemed disordered dry and not so fine as usual nearly there but in a low voice full of anguish she said do not speak bored by this taciturn almost hostile tete-a-tete he began to examine the route through the windows of the cab the street stretched out interminable already deserted so badly paved that at every step the cab springs creaked the lamp-posts were beginning to be further and further apart the cab was approaching the ramparts singular itinerary he murmured troubled by the woman's cold inscrutable reserve abruptly the vehicle turned up a dark street swung around and stopped hyacinthe got out waiting for the cabman to give him his change durtal inspected the lay of the land they were in a sort of blind alley low houses in which there was not a sign of life bordered a lane that had no sidewalk the pavement was like billows turning around when the cab drove away he found himself confronted by a long high wall above which dry leaves rustled in the shadows a little door with a square grating in it was cut into the thick unlighted wall which was seamed with fissures suddenly further away a ray of light shot out of a show window and doubtless attracted by the sound of the cab wheels a man wearing the black apron of a wine shopkeeper lounged through the shop door and spat on the threshold this is the place said madame chantelouve she rang the grating opened she raised her veil a shaft of lantern light struck her full in the face the door opened noiselessly and they penetrated into a garden good evening madame good evening marie in the chapel yes does madame wish me to guide her no thanks the woman with the lantern scrutinized durtal he perceived beneath a hood wisps of grey hair falling in disorder over a wrinkled old face but she did not give him time to examine her and returned to a tent beside the wall serving her as a lodge he followed hyacinthe who traversed the dark lanes between rows of palms to the entrance of a building she opened the doors as if she were quite at home and her heels clicked resolutely on the flagstones be careful she said going through a vestibule there are three steps they came out into a court and stopped before an old house she rang a little man advanced hiding his features and greeted her in an affected sing-song voice she passed saluting him and durtal brushed a fly-blown face the eyes liquid gummy the cheeks plastered with cosmetics the lips painted i have stumbled into a lair of sodomists you didn't tell me that i was to be thrown into such company he said to hyacinthe overtaking her at the turning of a corridor lighted by a lamp did you expect to meet saints here she shrugged her shoulders and opened a door they were in a chapel with a low ceiling crossed by beams gaudily painted with coal-tar pigment the windows were hidden by great curtains the walls were cracked and dingy durtal recoiled after a few steps 
gusts of humid mouldy air and of that indescribable new stove acridity poured out of the registers to mingle with an irritating odour of alkali resin and burnt herbs he was choking his temples throbbing he advanced groping attempting to accustom his eyes to the half-darkness the chapel was vaguely lighted by sanctuary lamps suspended from chandeliers of gilded bronze with pink glass pendants hyacinthe made him a sign to sit down then she went over to a group of people sitting on divans in a dark corner rather vexed at being left here away from the centre of activity durtal noticed that there were many women and few men present but his efforts to discover their features were unavailing as here and there a lamp swayed he occasionally caught sight of a junonian brunette then of a smooth-shaven melancholy man he observed that the women were not chattering to each other their conversation seemed awed and grave not a laugh not a raised voice was heard but an irresolute furtive whispering unaccompanied by gesture mm, he said to himself it doesn't look as if satan made his faithful happy a choir boy clad in red advanced to the end of the chapel and lighted a stand of candles then the altar became visible it was an ordinary church altar on a tabernacle above which stood an infamous derisive christ the head had been raised and the neck lengthened and wrinkles painted in the cheeks transformed the grieving face to a bestial one twisted into a mean laugh he was naked and where the loincloth should have been there was a virile member projecting from a bush of horsehair in front of the tabernacle the chalice covered with a pall was placed the choir boy folded the altar cloth wiggled his haunches stood tiptoe on one foot and flipped his arms as if to fly away like a cherub on pretext of reaching up to light the black tapers whose odour of coal tar and pitch was now added to the pestilential smell of the stuffy room durtal recognised beneath the red robe the fairy who had guarded the chapel entrance and he understood the role reserved for this man whose sacrilegious nastiness was substituted for the purity of childhood acceptable to the church then another choir boy more hideous yet exhibited himself hollow-chested racked by coughs withered made up with white grease paint and vivid carmine he hobbled about humming he approached the tripods flanking the altar stirred the smouldering incense pots and threw in leaves and chunks of resin durtal was beginning to feel uncomfortable when hyacinthe rejoined him she excused herself for having left him by himself so long invited him to change his place and conducted him to a seat far in the rear behind all the rows of chairs this is a real chapel isn't it he asked yes this house this church the garden that we crossed are the remains of an old ursuline convent for a long time this chapel was used to store hay the house belonged to a livery staple keeper who sold it to that woman and she pointed out a stout brunette of whom durtal before had caught a fleeting glimpse is she married no she is a former nun who was debauched long ago by Docre. ah and those gentlemen who seem to be hiding in the darkest places they are satanists there is one of them who was a professor in the school of medicine in his home he has an oratorium where he prays to a statue of venus astarte mounted on an altar no i mean it he is getting old and his demoniac orisons increase tenfold his forces which he is using up with creatures of that sort and with a gesture she indicated the choir boys you guarantee the truth of this story you will find it narrated at great length in a religious journal les annales de la sainteté 
and though his identity was made pretty patent in the article the man did not dare prosecute the editors what's the matter with you she asked looking at him closely i'm strangling the odor from those incense burners is unbearable you will get used to it in a few seconds but what do they burn that smells like that asphalt from the street leaves of henbane datura dried nightshade and myrrh these are perfumes delightful to satan our master she spoke in that changed guttural voice which had been hers at times when in bed with him he looked her squarely in the face she was pale the lips pressed tight the pluvious eyes blinking rapidly here he comes she murmured suddenly while women in front of them scurried about or knelt in front of the chairs preceded by the two choir boys the canon entered wearing a scarlet bonnet from which two buffalo horns of red cloth protruded durtal examined him as he marched toward the altar he was tall but not well built his bulging chest being out of proportion to the rest of his body his peeled forehead made one continuous line with his straight nose the lips and cheeks bristled with that kind of hard clumpy beard which old priests have who have always shaved themselves the features were round and insinuating the eyes like apple pips close together phosphorescent as a whole his face was evil and sly but energetic and the hard fixed eyes were not the furtive shifty orbs that durtal had imagined the canon solemnly knelt before the altar then mounted the steps and began to say mass durtal saw then that he had nothing on beneath his sacrificial habit his black socks and his flesh bulging over the garters attached high up in his legs were plainly visible the chasuble had the shape of an ordinary chasuble but was of the dark red colour of dried blood and in the middle in a triangle around which was an embroidered border of colchicum savin sorrel and spurge was the figure of a black billy goat presenting his horns docre made the genuflections the full or half-length inclinations specified by the ritual the kneeling choir-boys sang the latin responses in a crystalline voice which trilled on the ultimate syllables of the words but it's a simple low mass said durtal to madame chantelouve she shook her head indeed at that moment the choir-boys passed behind the altar and one of them brought back copper chafing dishes the other censers which they distributed to the congregation all the women enveloped themselves in the smoke some held their heads right over the chafing dishes and inhaled deeply then fainting unlaced themselves heaving raucous sighs the sacrifice ceased the priest descended the steps backward knelt on the last one and in a sharp trepidant voice cried master of slanders dispenser of the benefits of crime administrator of sumptuous sins and great vices satan thee we adore reasonable god just god super-admirable legate of false trances thou receivest our beseeching tears thou savest the honour of families by aborting wombs impregnated in the forgetfulness of the good orgasm thou dost suggest to the mother the hastening of untimely birth and thine obstetrics spares the stillborn children the anguish of maturity the contamination of original sin mainstay of the despairing poor cordial of the vanquished it is thou who endowest them with hypocrisy ingratitude and stiff-neckedness that they may defend themselves against the children of god the rich suzerain of resentment accountant of humiliations treasurer of old hatreds thou alone dost fertilize the brain of man whom injustice has crushed thou breathest into him the idea of meditated vengeance sure misdeeds 
thou incitest him to murder thou givest him the abundant joy of accomplished reprisals and permittest him to taste the intoxicating draught of the tears of which he is the cause hope of virility anguish of the empty womb thou dost not demand the bootless offering of chaste loins thou dost not sing the praises of lenten follies thou alone receivest the carnal supplications and petitions of poor and avaricious families thou determinest the mother to sell her daughter to give her son thou aidest sterile and reprobate loves guardian of strident neuroses leaden tower of hysteria bloody vase of rape master thy faithful servants on their knees implore thee and supplicate thee to satisfy them when they wish the torture of all those who love them and aid them they supplicate thee to assure them the joy of delectable misdeeds unknown to justice spells whose unknown origin baffles the reason of man they ask finally glory riches power of thee king of the disinherited son who art to overthrow the inexorable father then docre rose and erect with arms outstretched vociferated in a ringing voice of hate and thou thou whom in my quality of priest i force whether thou wilt or no to descend into this host to incarnate thyself in this bread jesus artisan of hoaxes bandit of homage robber of affection here since the day when thou didst issue from the complacent bowels of a virgin thou hast failed all thine engagements belied all thy promises centuries have wept awaiting thee fugitive god mute god thou wast to redeem man and thou hast not thou wast to appear in thy glory and thou sleepest go lie say to the wretch who appeals to thee hope be patient suffer the hospital of souls will receive thee the angels will assist thee heaven opens to thee impostor thou knowest well that the angels disgusted at thine inertness abandon thee thou wast to be the interpreter of our plaints the chamberlain of our tears thou wast to convey them to the father and thou hast not done so for this intercession would disturb thine eternal sleep of happy satiety thou hast forgotten the poverty thou didst preach enamoured vassal of banks thou hast seen the weak crushed beneath the press of profit thou hast heard the death rattle of the timid paralyzed by famine of women disembowelled for a bit of bread and thou hast caused the chancery of thy simoniacs thy commercial representatives thy popes to answer by dilatory excuses and evasive promises sacristy shyster huckster god master whose inconceivable ferocity engenders life and inflicts it on the innocent whom thou darest damn in the name of what original sin whom thou darest punish by the virtue of what covenants we would have thee confess thine impudent cheats thine inexpiable crimes we would drive deeper the nails into thy hands press down the crown of thorns upon thy brow bring blood and water from the dry wounds of thy sides and that we can and will do by violating the quietude of thy body profaner of ample vices abstractor of stupid purities cursed nazarene do-nothing king coward god amen trilled the soprano voices of the choir-boys durtal listened in amazement to this torrent of blasphemies and insults the foulness of the priest stupefied him a silence succeeded the litany the chapel was foggy with the smoke of the censers the women hitherto taciturn flustered now as remounting the altar the canon turned toward them and blessed them with his left hand in a sweeping gesture and suddenly the choir-boys tinkled the prayer-bells it was a signal the women fell to the carpet and writhed 
one of them seemed to be worked by a spring she threw herself prone and waved her legs in the air another suddenly struck by a hideous strabism clucked then becoming tongue-tied stood with her mouth open the tongue turned back the tip cleaving to the palate another inflated livid her pupils dilated lolled her head back over her shoulders then jerked it brusquely erect and belaboured herself tearing her breast with her nails another sprawling on her back undid her skirts drew forth a rag enormous meteorized then her face twisted into a horrible grimace and her tongue which she could not control stuck out bitten at the edges harrowed by red teeth from a bloody mouth suddenly durtal rose and now he heard and saw docre distinctly docre contemplated the christ surmounting the tabernacle and with arms spread wide apart he spewed forth frightful insults and at the end of his forces muttered the billingsgate of a drunken cabman one of the choir boys knelt before him with his back toward the altar a shudder ran around the priest's spine in a solemn but jerky voice he said hoc est enim corpus meum then instead of kneeling after the consecration before the precious body he faced the congregation and appeared tumefied haggard dripping with sweat he staggered between the two choir boys who raising the chasuble displayed his naked belly docre made a few passes and the host sailed tainted and soiled over the steps durtal felt himself shudder a whirlwind of hysteria shook the room while the choir boys sprinkled holy water on the pontiff's nakedness women rushed upon the eucharist and grovelling in front of the altar clawed from the bread humid particles and drank and ate divine ordure another woman curled up over a crucifix emitted a rending laugh then cried to docre father father a crone tore her hair leapt whirled around and around as on a pivot and fell over beside a young girl who huddled to the wall was writhing in convulsions frothing at the mouth weeping and spitting out frightful blasphemies and durtal terrified saw through the fog the red horns of docre who seated now frothing with rage was chewing up sacramental wafers taking them out of his mouth wiping himself with them and distributing them to the women who ground them underfoot howling or fell over each other struggling to get hold of them and violate them the place was simply a madhouse a monstrous pandemonium of prostitutes and maniacs now while the choir boys gave themselves to the men and while the woman who owned the chapel mounted the altar caught hold of the phallus of the christ with one hand and with the other held a chalice between his naked legs a little girl who hitherto had not budged suddenly bent over forward and howled howled like a dog overcome with disgust nearly asphyxiated durtal wanted to flee he looked for hyacinthe she was no longer at his side he finally caught sight of her close to the cannon and stepping over the writhing bodies on the floor he went to her with quivering nostrils she was inhaling the effluvia of the perfumes and of the couples the sabbatic odour she said to him between clenched teeth in a strangled voice here let's get out of this she seemed to wake hesitated a moment then without answering she followed him he elbowed his way through the crowd jostling women whose protruding teeth were ready to bite he pushed madame chantelouve to the door crossed the court traversed the vestibule and finding the portress's lodge empty he drew the cord and found himself in the street there he stopped and drew the fresh air deep into his lungs hyacinthe motionless dizzy huddled to the wall away from him he looked at her confess that you would like to go in there again no she said with an effort these scenes shatter me i am in a daze i must have a glass of water 
and she went up the street leaning on him straight to the wine shop which was open it was an ignoble lair a little room with tables and wooden benches a zinc counter cheap bar fixtures and blue-stained wooden pitchers in the ceiling a u-shaped gas bracket two pick-and-shovel labourers were playing cards they turned around and laughed the proprietor took the excessively short-stemmed pipe from his mouth and spat into the sawdust he seemed not at all surprised to see this fashionably gowned woman in his dive durtal who was watching him thought he surprised an understanding look exchanged by the proprietor and the woman the proprietor lighted a candle and mumbled into durtal's ear monsieur you can't drink here with these people watching i'll take you to a room where you can be alone hmm said durtal to hyacinthe who was penetrating the mysteries of a spiral staircase a lot of fuss for a glass of water but she had already entered a musty room the paper was peeling from the walls which were nearly covered with pictures torn out of illustrated weeklies and tacked up with hairpins the floor was all in pieces there were a wooden bed without any curtains a chamber pot with a piece broken out of the side a wash bowl and two chairs the man brought a decanter of gin a large one of water some sugar and glasses then went downstairs her eyes were sombre mad she enlaced durtal no he shouted furious at having fallen into this trap i've had enough of that it's late your husband is waiting for you it's time for you to go back to him she did not even hear him i want you she said and she took him treacherously and obliged him to desire her she disrobed threw her skirts on the floor opened wide the abominable couch and raising her chemise in the back she rubbed her spine up and down over the coarse grain of the sheets a look of swooning ecstasy was in her eyes and a smile of joy on her lips she seized him and with ghoulish fury dragged him into obscenities of whose existence he had never dreamed suddenly when he was able to escape he shuddered for he perceived that the bed was strewn with fragments of hosts oh you fill me with horror dress and let's get out of here while with a faraway look in her eyes she was silently putting on her clothes he sat down on a chair the fetidness of the room nauseated him then too he was not absolutely convinced of transubstantiation he did not believe very firmly that the saviour resided in that soiled bread but in spite of himself the sacrilege he had involuntarily participated in saddened him suppose it were true he said to himself that the presents were real as hyacinthe and that miserable priest attest no decidedly i have had enough i am through the occasion is timely for me to break with this creature whom from our very first interview i have only tolerated and i'm going to seize the opportunity below in the dive he had to face the knowing smiles of the labourers he paid and without waiting for his change he fled they reached the rue de vaugirard and he hailed a cab as they were whirled along they sat lost in their thoughts not looking at each other soon asked madame chanteloube in an almost timid tone when he left her at her door no he answered we have nothing in common you wish everything and i wish nothing better break we might drag out our relation but it would finally terminate in recrimination and bitterness oh and then after what happened this evening no understand me no and he gave the cabman his address and huddled himself into the furthest corner of the fiacre End of chapter 19